BBCC episode 74, my real realization of the day. The film we're going to be talking about today is the origin of James Gunn's alien fetish. Invasive worm slugs aren't really my thing, but Gamora, Mantis, and Nebula can get it any day of the week. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. I am your host, Devon Taylor, aka underscore Daddy Disco. Sitting across from me is my co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Hey, what up, what up? We're back. We're back talking about alien movies, and we've got a particularly gross one this week. Might be the grossest episode we've had yet. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, at least since you've been on, this is definitely the grossest one. You weren't you weren't on the um you weren't here yet for uh, when we did Suicide Club. I think that Ooh, might I think I that might be the gross. I think that just got added to Shudder or HBO Max or one of the two. Um, I think that but... might be one of the grosser films that we've colored covered just because there's a roll of skin flesh um okay. getting passed around in the movie that's like stitched together of like chunks of people's flesh band it's, name we, called it uh, roll of skin flesh that's like my new metal roll core of band skin name. flesh uh we called it a, a skinnaman roll during the episode <laughs> oh, is what no. we called it absolutely not so, that's way worse <laughs> that was pretty gross but but this one's um up there on this uh hot day in la sorry guys if you guys hear my ac in the background but it is a toasty a, 97 yeah, degrees today real scorcher not a fan but hey you know sunny california i would expect nothing less but yeah it is it is real hot outside i mean i guess it makes sense um and it is perfect for a very um sweaty slimy movie that yeah. we'll be covering today we're talking james gunn's 2006 film slither um it, which is uh you know with him doing such big stuff now it was nice to kind of get to go back and uh, yeah. watch this one something a little bit smaller as we continue our um aliens and creatures from space theme mm-hmm. but we do have a guest waiting for us um he is waiting in the wings as also a returning guest um you might know him as one of the co-hosts of the horror queers podcast also the hkhs pod as well with bylines across slash film anatomy of a scream and bloody disgusting welcome back mr joe lipset hello thank you so much for having me yeah um it again i the last time you were on i had you and trace on and then i was like all right i'm gonna get you guys on for your own episodes at some point too so very excited to have you welcome welcome Ah, thank you, and welcome, Garrett. Because of course, the last time I was here, you were not. I no. know. I've been. I've been a, a, a new spice added to the collection here. So excited to talk about this, <laughs> and I'm excited to to meet the man that picked this gross movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, you know the the horror queers episode. I will say also was also the highest listened to episode for a hot minute. Oh, look at you! Mm-hmm. Oh, a hot minute. So not permanently. It, just, it did you know, get like it, a did, blip. it did get dethroned. Um, like I think like a couple months later. But um, and now right. it has right. also. But I think it's like still like ranked like number three or four right now is like of 
um, the highest listeners. Um, he chose Poughkeepsie tapes uh, was what we talked about last time, and that was a a hot blast. Also, another pretty gross movie. Joe, what's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid of weird, gross. Uh, I mean, at least this movie is fun. It's hard to say that about the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh no, po- Poughkeepsie tapes is is not a not a a fun ride like this is. This is fun and also kind of a, a weird macabre way too. I actually do find Poughkeepsie sure. tapes kind of fun in okay. a way. Well, because uh, I'm, because you know me, I am the couple more of, demented. I say a couple of freaks on the podcast today. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but um, before we get into Slither, I did want to talk about, um, like I mentioned, uh, James Gunn. Um, you know, he has kind of floated around in the genre world, in and out throughout his career, and mm-hmm. has had you know quite a success between. Um, you know, he started off in the trauma universe, doing these like really low budget, um, you know, homages to these B movies. And then this was like his homage to like 80s movies. But um, and then now he's, you know, doing Guardians of the Galaxy and he's doing the Suicide Squad. And, you know, and I've noticed between this uh, between this movie, um, Guardians uh, or um, the Suicide Squad and then peacemaker he has mm-hmm. a thing for aliens yeah I, mm-hmm. I i i hadn't seen this movie by the time um guardians of the galaxy came out but i was i uh, was more familiar with his other early film super um and watching yep. this you can definitely see the the what would eventually become because i think that this film and then super is like a more unrefined version of james gunn or at least kind of like an uncaged version of james gunn but when he starts making the bigger studio films like guardians of the galaxy and like the suicide squad i think his sensibilities start to transition in a way to where it's a little bit more um i guess accessible because this is definitely like a particular flavor of movie um but still noticing the the qualities or the the tropes that that come up and then he makes something like peacemaker to where i'm like oh no he's kind of going back to his roots in kind of a strange way yeah it's it's funny because it's like when people um you know we see a little bit more of it now in peacemaker but i feel like when he was doing the two guardians movies people forgot that he like you know had this like kind of twisted sense of humor oh yeah and like Mm -hmm. doing like really gross stuff and like people kind of forgot about that because you know even though his films now like i'd say a majority of them like kind of have more of that cult you know classic following versus like none of them have been big box office successes or anything like that so yeah um, I feel like a lot of people were going back to these films like after they saw the superhero stuff. I still haven't watched Super. I was going to watch it last night um, just to squeeze it in, but I didn't get to it. No, it's a good time and it's a good time. And I think, uh, again, like especially with the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, the violence and that dark sense of humor is still there. But I think in his more recent films, I think there's a little bit more heart there, whereas movies like this have this really kind of demented fun sense to them. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting to track his his career and slither was actually a movie that i didn't see until i think like last year so this is like Mm. a pretty recent watch for me so it was still kind of fresh on my mind to talk about this and i'm excited to uh, dive on into it with joe here so let's go ahead and hop into the movie slither released march 31st 
2006. Again, we this is two episodes in a row. We barely missed out on anniversaries. Ah, it was close. It was close. <laughs> uh, very close. Um, again, this movie didn't make a lot of money. It um, only made $12.8 against a $15 million budget. <laughs> it was written and directed by James Gunn. The cinematography done by Gregory Middleton. And the score was done by Tyler Bates. And I don't know if anybody else like would know him by name. And, you know, I'm pretty well versed in composers. Mm-hmm. Did not realize how like deep this guy's discography got was for um, for movies. Um, he has collaborated with James Gunn on most of his movies, as well as Zack Snyder. in I think uh, four or five of his films as well um, has a very um, eclectic uh, discography. And we will get into the music um, a little bit more here in a bit. Mm-hmm. This has a Rotten Tomato score of 87% and a letterbox average of 3.3 out of 5. So, Joe, what made you want to talk about this film today? Uh, well, I mean, when I was looking at the options on your theme month, I thought to myself, I'm always down to rewatch Slither. I have a blast with this movie. I think it's, I mean, it was interesting, Garrett, listening to your sort of... Uh, discussion of the evolution of his filmography because i don't disagree but i feel like to me this is the sweet spot film it's james gunn on the cusp of breaking out because he's actually got money he can do special effects like he wants to he's actually getting some a-list stars Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time this movie is so off-putting to a general sensibility that i can't imagine people really embracing it but that's actually the reason why i love it so much like this is actually the quintessential horror comedy for me like when people say give me your top five this is always on the list yeah it's i mean it's definitely not going to be for everybody look at the box office return that this thing made but it's it's prime you know real estate to to have that kind of cult following that it has definitely uh developed and it's one that i before i had watched it had always heard about was very interested in seeing and then watching it yeah i think this movie is uh it is just a lot of fun in like the weirdest way possible because it's so dark and but very funny mm-hmm. this very james gunn sense of humor but also super gory very gross yes. just through and through so like in the most macabre way possible this movie is a blast yeah so i mean james gunn again has dabbled all over the genre world and and you know we we love talking about subgenres here on the podcast and i would argue to say out of like a lot of the films that we've covered this mo might have like the biggest mix of subgenres. yeah because you know we have the dark comedy we have the alien invasion aspect we have the the small town you know um drama aspect yeah. as well right um there's there's so many different things going on here uh creature feature body horror lots and lots of body horror i i kind of forgot so how good. i kind of forgot how much was like how much shit was inflicted on the characters in this movie like oh yeah mm-hmm. you know i i always remember obviously like the slugs like invading the people but like i kind of forgot like what these slugs truly do to the people of this town yeah and i was mm-hmm. just like oh man yeah this is this is real gross on the body horror aspect um mm-hmm. you know we got a good mix of practical and cgi effects um headed by dimension effects and switch effects and um, they they blend together really well, and even when the CGI doesn't look that great, it still fits because this is an homage to you know eighties yeah. uh, sci fi creature features, right? You know, so it makes sense. Well, speaking of the this small town and what befalls them, do you want to go ahead and give Joe our uh, sixty second uh, plot synopsis challenge here? Yes, let's see how much of this movie 
Joe, that you can fit in 60 seconds. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. All right, because this is for anybody that has not seen the movie in a hot minute because we will be spoiling everything from here on out. I mean, this is like a 16-year-old movie anyway, (laughs) so what are you doing? You should have seen it by now. All right, 60 seconds on the clock in three, two, one, go. All right, the richest man in town. It's a small town that uses hunting as its primary mode of economy. The richest man in town is Grant Grant. He is married to Starla, who's played by Elizabeth Banks. He ends up inadvertently getting infected by a meteorite alien parasite, which he then infects a woman. She gives birth to a bevy of slugs that infects the town. They have a hive mind. So Starla, as well as the guy she should really be with, who is the sheriff, played by Nathan Fillion, have to gather with a teenage girl who manages not to get infected because she has long nails (laughs) and uh, they have to survive spitting acid aliens and people who want to eat dogs and finally Grant Grant who was transformed into a giant blob like Jabba the Hutt and will they survive? Will anybody be able to come back? The answer is yes and no. (laughs) Happy ending. With five seconds to spare. See, I'm always curious to see how the guest approaches the 60 second challenge. Some of them are like, oh, no, I'm trying to beat like a PR here. And they're like, I'm going to go as quick as possible. Whereas Joe mm-hmm. and I, we're going to fill out that that's 60 about the pacing. Seconds. Yeah. yeah, we're going to fill out that yeah. 60 seconds because that's the challenge there. So I, I respect respect to Joe. Yeah. And well, it's 60 seconds. It's not a log line. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the minute you start to get frantic, it's just over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this movie is pretty straightforward, obviously. You yeah. know, it it has a lot of story elements from a lot of other 80s films um this movie was criticized um not criticized but it was like kind of pointed out that this movie was inspired a lot by night of the freaks um yes. it is a movie that a lot of people were like oh is this a ripoff is it not but like at the same time this is a ripoff of like if you want to go that route like it again it has dna of just about any 80s sci-fi creature mm-hmm. feature in it yeah obviously night of the creeps is going to be uh is, is going to be one that people point to um but james gunn himself has been pretty open about his influences with you know shivers and the brood as well um as well as like obviously the thing and other john carpenter movies so i think when you make an 80s kind of um reboot homage whatever word you want to use there's obviously going to be the dna in that but i think james gunn's been pretty open about that and it's not like it's not obvious like watching the movie it's pretty clear whether or not you think it's a little too over i guess is kind of where results may vary Mm -hmm. um but you know it's a it's an homage film it's a love letter through and through and whether you think he maybe did a little bit much i mean that's that's kind of up to personal taste for sure I mean, I always say it's fine to like very much show your influences and like what you're working with as long as you're being creative with it. Like as long as you're not just lazily taking and like copy and pasting something and just being like, boom, okay. But like it's more when you're doing it with thought behind it Mm -hmm. um, and being creative about it, then like there's nothing wrong with show like being blatantly showing your influences. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And as horror fans, I feel like it's something that we've come to anticipate, like the entire genre is steeped in its own history. Because if not, you know, think of the number of times we've gotten a Dracula movie. And yet people don't say, oh, my God, another Dracula movie. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's always going to be references and, and, uh, you know, homages to kind of any you know, modern day reinterpretation of, of 80s horror movies, because that was such a prolific decade in horror. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that this movie is general enough with its references that you can kind of point to 
most alien movies like in the genre at that time and you could kind of make an argument for most of them you know of like mm-hmm. how this is influenced in some way by invasion of the body snatchers or the brood or shivers or night of the creeps or whatever you want to point to but i think just because of that that it's like generally kind of all of those different things that it doesn't make it just oh you picked night of the creeps and there's yeah. nothing else uh, redeeming about it i i don't think that that's a particularly fair argument personally. yeah i mean it's it's the same thing we were talking about last week with life you know how that movie yeah. got um a lot of unfavorable comparisons to alien yeah um and you know how that was you know a detriment to that film and yeah. like kind of you know affected its box office and i don't know if that's the case here on why it didn't perform well on the mm-hmm. box office yeah um i mean i'm trying to think and it's like this movie doesn't feel like a 2006 movie like of you know the the aesthetic of the aughts at that time like joe do you have any ideas on why this didn't perform too well so i was actually in the theater on opening weekend i went to see this in 2006 and it was empty it was a fucking graveyard i think the main reason is that well actually there's a couple and you folks stop me if you want to talk about any of them but sure I would argue that this film was a missile, like people didn't really know what to make of it. They had a difficulty with reading the tone, which is a pretty consistent challenge with horror comedies. Like it's it's odd to me the number of people who think that horror and comedy don't go well together. So when you try to market it, they say, oh, well, is it horror or comedy? You're like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So that's the first point. Second point is that it is doing this kind of like long historical tale, but unlike something like Life and Alien, it's referencing films that people don't have a huge appreciation for. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Garrett, you were saying, oh, it's Shivers, it's Night of the Creeps. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's both of those things. Yeah. I think to a layperson, that means nothing at all. Those are not exceedingly well-known films, right? So it's harder to make that comparison and say like, oh, it's just a contemporary version of a famous text when the texts themselves are not that famous. Right. And I'm I'm looking through like what other movies kind of came out around that time. So March 17th, you have V for Vendetta, which is, you know, another rated R. That's a big one. Yeah, rated R. That's more of a, it's another genre movie. It's a comic book movie. And then the week after that, you had Stay Alive, which is you know another kind of horror film i don't know how well that did as far as box office is concerned Well, maybe after that that's why people are like okay i'm good on horror for a minute yeah maybe it was that but the same weekend that this came out you had uh, ice age 2 which doesn't have a lot of overlap there as well as um atl uh lucky number slevin uh and then of course slither so you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. like a necessarily like a ghost town but i would say march is like it's a pretty good time to come out you know it's not quite some it's kind of the tail end of the spring you know so yeah yeah, uh whether or not this was just uh, you know had too much competition at the box office whatever the case may be yeah i think the appetite for something like this it's definitely interesting to look back at 2006 and then nowadays because nowadays this Mm -hmm. is an absolute this is going to streaming would definitely find its audience there and if it does go to theaters it's probably not going to be like a huge wide release Mm -hmm. i think it would be something that again you would find on shutter or netflix or amazon Mm -hmm. prime or something like that yeah i mean and this was his you know directorial debut he had been making a name for himself as a writer Mm -hmm. um you know previous to this but this was his first true um mainstream you know direct 
directorial debut. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe since he didn't have, you know, the name recognition. But yeah. man, like, I mean, I remember when this came out, just um, the poster, you know, the poster and the, the right. cover art for this is, you know, so striking. It's so simple. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved that. And so it's like, you know, I remember always like walking past that at the video store and being like, oh, what is that? What's yeah, going absolutely. on here? You know? Yeah. I'm curious. I'd be curious to talk to James and see like how this film, like how it impacted his career. Did people, was it one of those cases where people saw it and were like, yeah, this did make a lot of money, but you have a really distinct voice and I want to mm-hmm. further, you know, uh, uh, fund your projects. Or is it something that, yeah, since he's made guardians the the home releases and the renting and you know the, that kind of thing has that been more profitable i'd be definitely curious to see like over the long run what is kind of the uh the legacy of this movie or is it still something that not a lot of people and, and genre fans have uh you know caught up to who knows yeah well let's get into a little bit more about the actual movie and i kind of want to start with the characters mm-hmm. um i always gravitate towards um these like little small town thrillers where it's like you know you kind of get to know each ca- um each member yeah a little bit you know everybody kind of has a distinct personality mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know um very recently like um werewolves within did this very well yeah um like you know having the characters being like very distinct and like yeah. each having their like little moments and you kind of learn the different relationships between each characters and like yeah. you know just how this community works and um i always found that uh, part very interesting the ensemble here is very strong yeah it's something that james gunn has kind of uh i think been fond of because if you look at one of his more recent it wasn't he didn't i don't think he wrote or directed it, it might have been story by as well as producing credits but brightburn uh, also yeah. starring elizabeth oh, yeah. he did like the story i think yeah it's also mm-hmm. in a small town and as someone for myself who is from a small town you know i i do love movies like this and i think it also harkens back to you know those 1950s pulp horror movies with something like the blob or invasion of the body snatchers or the crazies or, yeah. or the crazies yeah it is kind of this small town middle america i think it gives it that sense of relatability and i also do think that there is that cool tension of if this problem breaks out in los angeles or new york or something like that mm-hmm. you can't contain it it's mm-hmm. it's it's far too big but i do kind of like the tension of if it's in the small town we have to stop it here because if it goes out into the real world so to speak then it's you know that's that's kind of the the problem and the the post-credit scene of the movie is kind of like yeah it's, yeah. it's going to yeah. get out you can't really control yeah it. well we'll kind of get more about that when we talk about the alien itself yeah, um, yeah. i have some critiques on uh the the slither monster whatever you, you want to call it um it, but yeah um you know you have elizabeth banks you have michael rooker um mm-hmm. who would you know obviously work with gun multiple times yep uh nathan fillion a really great uh cast of just like everybody playing off of each other really well yeah um you know i even like um you know i i on this time around i really like the mayor character a lot Mm -hmm. just because he's not the typical mayor that like doesn't do anything like yeah he's a moron but at least uh the mayor is like actually like willing to grab a gun and go help them out and like you know i'm in this with you guys too and so it's like even so that sense of camaraderie throughout the movie um i felt that big time well and i think with the mayor too what's nice about him is that he's like a lot of these characters they start in one place and it seems like they're very stereotypical like we know exactly who they are and what they're going to do because there's yeah. a familiarity and yet by the end of it like i i find i get a bit emotional about what happens with the mayor because mm-hmm. he gets a, a bit of redemption and he becomes a real person so that you don't want that fate to befall him yeah 
Yeah, not all the characters in this movie are completely one-dimensional. I do think that they have this kind of well-rounded sense to them, and I think that that's something that Gunn has gotten a lot better at is is characters mm-hmm. throughout his career and, and really focusing on the heart and the soul of these characters and not just being something of, it. you know, this could easily be a movie of it's just blood and guts and special effects and, and nothing else really to it, but I think the relationship between Starla and between Grant Grant, which is a hilarious name, so um, is like, it, 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 there's this real sense of tragedy to it but then it also plays to the comedy angle because starla has this like i'm losing my mind (laughs) kind of like Mm -hmm. energy to her throughout the entire movie it's like this thing has taken so much from me and she she kind of gives this like kind of unhinged performance which i do think elizabeth banks is actually pretty good at if you watch something like um i believe it's uh knocked up she plays like kind of a crazy character and Mm -hmm. i think elizabeth banks actually is is pretty good at that and there's a few moments in this movie to where she's like stabbing that person like in the face i think it's like rebar and she's just like just like just completely losing it in that moment i think i think it's really fun yeah i mean i've always liked elizabeth banks and you know i wish she would i wish she would have even went a little bit further with like this kind of performance like i've always seen elizabeth Mm. banks as like she could have been like a more contemporary parker posey like i wish she i wish she kind of got more of those roles um i don't know you watch something like uh, the newest power rangers movie and she is sending it yeah like, she's she having a ball there sending right? it you she's know? the only one having fun in that power rangers <laughs> oh movie. yeah including the audience including the audience <laughs> but i think the problem is is she's kind of saddled with the character who has to be grounded right by default she's the one who's like oh my arc is emotional i'm the person who's got to realize i married this guy not for quite the right reasons but i I do still have a lot of love and affection for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what's sad is that she's also really the only female character of note. You know, we've got the the teenage girl, but at the end of the day, she kind of fades into the background a little bit as the film moves on. Yeah. And I think that kind of leaves the door open for Nathan Fillion to go in and do his Mal from Firefly mm-hmm. routine where he gets to like crack wise but also be the romantic lead at the same time exactly i mean i i am glad that at least starla wasn't only just like reduced to like a damsel in distress like type of thing oh like absolutely she, she yeah. very much is still proactive she's making her own plans mm-hmm. uh she's trying to take down grant herself like yep. she's doing all these things and i'm glad that they um you know it, it would have you know any other movie it would have been easy just to like kind of you know have her fall absolutely. into damsel in distress especially with like the the exchange at the beginning which again like these small town uh dramas easy way to get exposition out is just with small town gossip so yeah. it's like it was mm-hmm. interesting when they were talking about grant and starla and they're like you know they're they're you know kind of condemning starla for being a quote-unquote gold digger but they don't right. you know point out the creepiness of grant grant you know grooming her from 17 essentially and then paying her college tuition yeah like nobody said anything about that but they're like oh so she's a gold digger huh sure (laughs) it was just like geez yeah (laughs) speaking of the cast of this movie i did want to point out there's a couple of fun cameos in this including um lloyd kaufman who's like a very prolific uh film Mm -hmm. director of Mm -hmm. movies back in the day like you probably guys would probably know like toxic avenger uh, a lot of these b horror movies so i thought that that was a really fun inclusion and a alfred hitchcock-esque cameo 
cameo from James Gunn himself, which isn't something that I right. don't think that he's done very much since. Uh, no. Um, but no. yeah, it was kind of fun to see him uh, pop back up in this. And also a vocal cameo by Rob Zombie as yeah. Dr. Carl. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yep. So, yeah. I never knew about that until this rewatch. Yeah. Apparently Rob Zombie is in like most, if not all of his movies, which now I'm like, where is he in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, he or has the to Suicide be an alien. Squad, you know? He, yeah. He has to be an alien somewhere in yeah. there. But yeah, the, the, the way that all these characters um work in and out is really interesting especially the way that you know uh nathan fillion's character like really doesn't become more prominent until like 30 minutes in like they definitely take like the first third to be like okay let's establish Mm -hmm. everything for grant and starla we'll uh we'll um get the mayor in there here and there a little bit yeah and then it's like nathan fillion like kind of takes the film over a little bit more as it like goes along you know becoming his you know the the i I always i do love this small town sheriff hero you know again the crazies i think timothy oliphant might be my favorite Ooh, in, in, in that in that kind of That's regard a, i'm curious yeah that'd be a fun letterbox list small town sheriffs you know just saw sonic uh, i yeah. just saw sonic that's a small town sheriff the 30 so 30 of days them. of night oh my gosh wow another oh, yeah. another so great uh small town sheriff another hot one too <laughs> also there's a a young jenna fisher i believe yeah. either pre-office or like right at the cusp of office it would have been like I the earlier right seasons. at the cusp yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah a pretty killer cast i'm a huge nathan fillion guy i wish we got more of him yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. like in, in more movies and also, you know, talk about him and James Gunn stuff, his role as I believe like arm fall off kid or whatever in the Suicide yeah, Squad yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a great cameo. So yeah. definitely a killer cast in this movie and they're all given a lot to do, which is great. Yeah. And and of course, you know, Michael Rooker, who we didn't really talk about, like, yeah. yes, Grant Grant, aside from being a hilarious name. Um, cause I thought it was a joke when they like said that at the beginning and they're like, Oh yeah, Grant Grant. And I was like, Oh, that's just how they like talk about him. But then when yeah. they have the bit in the woods, I was like, Oh, that really is his name. Yeah. That really uh, is his name. <laughs> and I got, you know, God bless him. Like putting on all that makeup and everything like talk about, oh, uh, I don't know if you want to transition to the special effects, but the, the, what he's wearing in this movie and, and all of that mm-hmm. goop and grime, I can't imagine how long that would have taken in the makeup chair. And, and well, and the cool thing is like the performance is all in his eyes. Yeah. Like Michael Rooker mm-hmm. is an actor yeah. um, and he is acting in this movie. Like he's given way more gravitas than, totally. you know, any movie of this nature would typically get. Um, there's one cool detail I notice is like when he's talking to Starla, his mm-hmm. eyes are always watering because yeah. human Grant on the inside is trying yeah. to keep the alien from like attacking yeah. her. Yeah. And right. it's like him having the struggle with the alien. I thought that was such a cool detail. Yeah, definitely like a, a Brundle fly kind yes. of influence. Yes. There. Yeah, that's the tragedy mm-hmm. of seen someone just completely d- deteriorate into this horrible monster <laughs> mm-hmm. oh love ah, i love how goopy it is though like <laughs> so goopy uh, you know people always say oh this movie's disgusting this movie's too slimy and i'm just like no like we need more movies like this because there's something so visceral and effective about how just absolutely disgusting everything in this movie is mm-hmm. yeah uh, the the big like alien sack pregnant lady who's like so she looks like a zit yeah takes up a whole room (laughs) and just like tears at the seams is such a is so unnerving and gross and upsetting but again if you're a genre fan it's like you know what what more can you ask for watching a movie like this do you want to to cut back on that certainly Mm -hmm. not you know it's so yeah results may vary if you're into this kind of thing you'll you'll love that but yeah it's it's something (laughs) well movies like this i'm a i'm a big texture guy like i love when i can watch a movie and 
like feel what it it's is tactile. that they're feeling. Yes, like yeah. I love that. So like I, I I'm a big fan of goop and slime. Yeah, uh, especially because yeah. like if I can feel it. You know, it just gives like that little extra layer to it. And like, and that's where mm-hmm. you, what you get when, you know, you use practical versus CGI. But this is like, I think a really great case of, again, like being, this is like where the the marriage of the two works out. Really I was well. going to say the exact same thing. Like, yeah. yeah, they use CGI for like the, a lot of like the movements and like when there's like, you know, hundreds of the slugs, like you yeah. gotta, but yeah. like mm-hmm. when they can put in the effort for the practical effects, they do like the Grant Grant monster at the end took like a team of like six or seven puppeteers. Yeah. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, and even like the makeup of the people as they deteriorate or as they start to kind of join with Grant Grant as it becomes more Jabba the Huddy, um, all of that looks really good. And I do think, you know, we we talked about how this is a 2006 film and that does feel like it's kind of on the cusp of, oh, we don't do practical as much after this point yeah. and we start to really lean into cgi like i think most of this would have been cgi if it had been made even a couple of years later and it wouldn't have looked as good yeah yeah i think uh definitely at this time um you know cg was getting to the point where it was a lot more prevalent especially in horror um but i do think it's important that if you make a movie like this and you are referencing those 1980s kind of films right um, like it's kind of a key ingredient and Mm -hmm. if you want one way to to nail that that homage and that love of those movies you're gonna have to lean on practical effects because the 80s were Mm -hmm. built on that yeah no that that completely makes sense i i'd say it's like kind of the same for like this specific subgenre too like when you have creature right. features yeah it it makes such a big difference when you actually oh have yeah. the creature there you yeah, know like it, it makes a difference for the actors performing but then you know the believability of the creature as well yeah it, it just kind of makes a little sense that's why it's like i always think about how much i would love to see uh, the 2011 thing prequel with the practical effects right. like you know there's yeah. a lot of footage out there and it's like man like because I, I i still dig that movie um mm-hmm. but the, the effects sometimes are just like are so they're so bad they're distracting yeah yeah, yeah. and it does kind of like i said kind of give away that uh, this isn't you you're kind of missing the mark like if, especially with something like the thing which is arguably mm-hmm. one of the most influential like 80s practical effects movies and 80s practical effects horror movies uh and so recognizable uh remaking that and doing those special effects like i like devon had said it's it, it's got to be a blend if you want to clean up some stuff or some things that would just be way yeah. too much to do practically i understand that but i think james gunn strikes a really perfect balance here as well as in some of his his uh, newer movies too of doing these practical effects as well as impressive of cg effects too it's Mm -hmm. it's got to be a nice blend there and i'm glad that james gunn has maintained that because like look at the guardians movies there's plenty of great special effects in there Mm -hmm. and makeup drax alone it's like oh yeah it looks terrific Mm -hmm. but then there's also heavy cg moments and i'm glad that james gunn is someone who's not wanted to sacrifice that in making these movies because it is it's it's a key ingredient and without that Mm -hmm. it would i think it would be a much lesser film yeah so let's talk about these aliens some more and like the actual invasion aspect because we talked life last week and that was all in a spaceship outside earth you yeah know? so it's like that was one of those kind of rare ones so like this is your typical kind of invasion yeah. movie and there's something about aliens with tentacles that always just feel very sexual like sure. the, the oh yeah the the tentacles that come out of grant grant's chest are so phallic mm-hmm. and nasty oh <laughs> yeah yeah and this like, is a rapey movie we should such a rapey that. movie like yeah 
I put that in my notes. I like, I like, cause like, again, like it, it always feels that way because it's this outside thing invading your body. You know, it's like, that is always going to be there, but there's something about it in this one that just felt, I don't know, just even more nasty because especially like once you start hearing like the hive mind alien, like start, you know, speaking as itself and not grant later in the movie, you're like, right. Oh my God, mm-hmm. this is, like, this would be the nastiest guy at the bar that you've ever seen in the world. <laughs> yes. Like if it was a real person, like the, this alien is a, is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And you look at the poster of this movie and it does have like this mm-hmm. vulnerable woman sitting mm-hmm. naked in a bathtub with these, again, very phallic things like crawling towards yeah. Or, yeah it doesn't it, you don't need a master's degree to to kind of decipher that one there yeah i mean at, at least but they I, go in through the mouth and not the ass like the uh, dream catcher aliens oh god no <laughs> never <laughs> reference that again <laughs> i will say though one of the things i appreciate about this film and i i recognize that it's even more queer than i realized by the end of the film because initially you could you could misconstrue that this is very much like uh violence against women right because we see what grant grant does to brenda and it doesn't end well for her and then we do see a lot of like yeah these slugs going into people's mouths but it often seems to be like we're focusing on women like we spend a dedicated period of time with kylie and her and her mother and her sisters getting infected or not Mm -hmm. but then by the end of the film with the mayor i I realized, oh, okay, so this is actually gender neutral. The alien isn't discriminating against who they're impregnating with these like phallic slug mm-hmm. tentacle things. So I appreciated that it wasn't that. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's uh, it's gross against everybody. Yeah, like we had said, Starla is uh, is a character that's given agency. Uh, she's given lots to do in this movie. She's not entirely just a damsel in distress the entire time. She's active. She's involved. Um, it's not like Bill is just Bill, the, the sheriff, Nathan Fillion's character. It's not like he's just like taking over this movie and he's the hero. They even kind of poke mm-hmm. fun at it. It's Bill and I I, I don't remember the other uh, character. Might might be Kylie. Mm-hmm. Um, to where he that's said, a teenager. Yeah. yeah, he had says like, oh well, if I tell this story, then I'm going to be the one that <laughs> rescues you. So it does kind of poke fun at that. But you know, even if somebody wants to criticize that element of this movie, I think that's fine. James Gunn has been very open. You know, a couple of years ago, where there was that weird like, is James Gunn canceled? Is he not? You know, um, I right. th- I think most people have kind of fallen on you know one side of the fence pretty recently. But he's been pretty open about him as a filmmaker and that his sensibilities have changed and his taste is changed and you know if you if somebody wants to criticize this movie for that totally willing to have that discussion mm-hmm. uh, discussion because i don't think it's bulletproof no uh, no i mean but i don't i definitely don't see it as like um like 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 joe said like it, the the alien doesn't discriminate against you know who it's no. infecting yeah. though it does you know i just think it's you know something on james gunn's part that he's just you know le- letting the movie have equal screen time of like the female right. characters with the male characters yeah um so yeah i definitely don't get that um i mean there's like the weird um because like even though this movie is like you know a simple creature feature and is more fun and like grossness than anything the, there are some attempts at some deeper themes in here and like one of them mm-hmm. like the the sanctity of marriage uh the alien right. like, keeps making references to yeah um 
you know, I, that's a little weird. Cause I'm like, what are you trying to say? Because like at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> you know, Starla, you know, got with Grant and she might not have wanted to, but like, you know, did for money. And then eventually like, you can see that she does care, you know, has grown to care about him. And then mm-hmm. uh, again, Grant, you know, indoctrinating her at such a young age. So it's like their marriage already is not a good marriage anyways. And maybe that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, one of the things that's interesting is how this film frames the alien invasion as it's a mixture of Grant Grant as well as the alien. Mm-hmm. Like Devon, you said, this alien would be the nastiest dude that you met at the bar. And I think we very much see that in that first confrontation where Starla has been abducted and she sees what Grant Grant has become in their living room, right? He's this giant mass now. And uh, we hear the Grant Grant speaking through other people and they're calling Starla a slut and a mm-hmm. bitch and all these things. And I always yeah. read that as, oh, that's the alien feeding on Grant Grant's insecurity. But Ooh, all the stuff yeah. about how he wants all the things about the sanctity of marriage is Grant Grant, the human saying, I thought we had something special. And he's trying to still maintain that emotional connection and retain his humanity. No, I do think that there is an interesting conversation being had here about Starla. And if she did kind of give up this idyllic life that she might have had with somebody else, you know, kind mm-hmm. of this idea that, you know, as the marriage is continuing these the the grossness of the person and they become more repulsive and the someone that you might have that you might have thought it's like, yeah, it's not the idyllic marriage that maybe I wanted, but that love might or may or may not still be there. That idea that the more that you spend with them, they are becoming this repulsive creature that you don't even recognize anymore. I do do think that there is something there to be said with that. And that Mm -hmm. in this movie, Starla is becoming a character of more agency and is taking control of the situation. So I, yeah, I do think that there is definitely an argument to be made there about maybe this movie is a little bit uh, too much violence towards women. And they're kind of just being seen as these vessels of, of, you know, just a, a reproduction, a reproduction here. I I would mm-hmm. argue honestly, kind of the opposite, to where I think that this is a film arguing directly against that, and that it's it's arguing for Starla to have this sense of agency and for her to kind of recognize that this life that she sacrificed or gave up a little bit for whatever reason is is not something that people should strive for. I don't think it's arguing for that. I think it's arguing for the opposite of that. So yeah, I'm totally willing to have that conversation, but I think there's a lot more evidence here that it is arguing on the behalf of Starla and less of, mm-hmm. you know, bring, trying to knock her down or, or, or criticize her for her choices. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely allowing her to have an arc and like kind of build back up. And yeah, I mean, I guess it's you, you kind of bring up this question with like because um, you mentioned with like using women as their wombs, essentially. Yeah. You know, because, right. you know, that's obviously a thing that mainly only women can do but at the same time it's like well it's an alien i'm sure it can still work the other way too and and we do see that later on too uh whenever the mayor is in the basement yeah and there's Mm -hmm. other people and they are starting to bloom up too they are going to turn into like what brenda turned into and there's guys that are like that too yeah um well i think it also it depends on how we define creation because i think one of the most striking kind of upsetting images is when we see the man disrobe and then walk in and join with the Grant Grant oh, yeah. creation. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, that's an act of procreation as well. Mm, it's just true. not in the traditional sense that we would see with Brenda and the people in the basement. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, isn't it? Cause if you look at this, like, um, biologically, like, 
humans are kind of the only creatures that procreate based on not just like you know genes like animals they animal just kind instincts of, yeah and, it's like yeah. We, we we base it off of a lot more than that so i think that this film is kind of a like okay well what if you take that away from us it's making me think of um society as well like yes, kind of the uh-huh. ending of that movie i think that there's a maybe i didn't i was the looking shunting. at yeah big, was, big shunt energy going oh, totally. on here i was I big shunt energy on, uh, online i don't think anybody had really pointed out that one but i think that that's also there too um but yeah i mm-hmm. think there is that definitely kind of this when you when you boil it down and kind of take away the love angle of marriage and it's just kind of this survival primal kind of instinct there it it becomes really gross Mm -hmm. um so i think yeah Yeah. i think that there's definitely a discussion being had here about that and how that's not something that humans should strive for because when you do you kind of just become this weird zombie monster creature as as opposed to somebody who's actually there for love and is there for beyond just procreating or, or settling down in a way yeah turn you know you don't want to turn into a into a squid man i love that they yeah. keep uh, making references yeah. uh the the stickers yeah. on the thing and the, the little plush toy um it, it, my god that's so funny well i'm, I'm wearing a tentacle shirt right now so oh, joe can wow. see it yeah. this is for just joe and garrett you guys can't see this obviously but, that's a patreon exclusive right there. um but there we uh, go there has to be some perks come on yeah um and it's funny because whenever i take notes to like try to because Whenever I take notes, they're just like kind of a, a list of rambled thoughts. But uh, for Not the totally. important ones, I always mark them with a certain emoji appropriate to the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I use the the squid for this one. I did want to note nice. something that I love about this. This uh, the creature in this movie is it's not like a hat on a hat situation to where, yeah, there's a million of them and also they're incredibly difficult to kill. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they're pretty easy to kill, mm-hmm. but there's just yeah. so many of them so that many. it becomes like a cockroach kind of infestation situation. I really love that. Well, it's interesting. They they have like different tactics and like different uses right. for different people. Like, okay, certain people are getting impregnated and used as wombs. Mm-hmm. Other people are just getting turned into zombies that yeah. are like, you know, doing its bidding and and then other ones mm-hmm. are just there to join, you know, Grant in this thing. So uh, interesting uh, strategy that it has. I will say what I was going to say earlier is, um, you know, at the end of life last week, it's like, you know, when we have that bleak ending at the end, like yeah. Calvin's going to fuck Earth up. Like at the end of life, Earth Earth is screwed. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, I mean, this alien had a hard enough time and taken this long just to take over this small town. Like right. mm-hmm. it's not really going to do too well against uh, the Earth. So I mean, as far as like it being a uh, my fear of a of an actual invasion from this alien. Nah, I don't, I don't think it would do too hot. Cause, yeah. yeah, it is disposed of pretty easily. Yeah, if we're looking at the gamut of aliens and like what's worst case scenario, I honestly I think this one we would do okay with. You yeah. know, yeah I, yeah, I don't think we're completely fucked. Like if xenomorphs came to Earth, it's like all right, well, oh, we're dead. Sorry we're guys, so you fucked. know, it's it's gonna be tough. But this one, I'm like a couple of slugs, I could take care of that, no we, problem. We could deal with that. And like the the zombie people, uh, I, I do re- uh, like the the high mind aspect to Mm -hmm. this alien um i love just like all the people talking together and they and they say the things that grant say calling everybody killer or sugar plum yeah you know so (laughs) i i thought that was uh really funny i'm I'm kind of the same way everyone is either boo or bub to me 
So that, that, that would be me if I was the, the Slither monster. Quick note, I want to add that I love when the mayor does get turned into the, the creature. There's a moment where he's talking to Bill and he's like, just kill me. And there's not a mm-hmm. moment to where he's like, I can't do no it. Hesitation. He just immediately yes. blows him away. Absolutely love Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, they, he, he understands that it's like, this is not the same guy yeah. anymore. I do not need to think about this. Because yeah. that's such a trope in like zombie movies <laughs> mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm glad it completely bypasses that. And they're like, yep, sorry, bud. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the, the, the mayor also sucks. So I think there true. was a certain amount of relish in saying, oh, I'm going to blow the fucking head off this dude because yeah. he's not great. Sure. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely for yeah for the audience too. Uh, the mayor himself, another Easter egg. His name is Jack McCready, named after uh, Jack Burton and R.J. McCready, um, two mm-hmm. Kurt Russell characters. Very nice. Yeah. The James Gunn, you absolute. Yeah. You absolute lunatic. Him and his Easter eggs. If you look at all of his movies, they're just completely littered. And yeah. One of the 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 farm one of the farms was named after um the 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 cult people from rosemary's baby yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. another like so many so many easter eggs yeah um but yeah this is it's an interesting monster and alien design but yeah so as far as they go i wouldn't say this is like a super dangerous one on the hierarchy uh, i do want to talk about the design though because it is mm-hmm. very simple they just yeah. are kind of these slug creatures i like that mm-hmm. that they're not too overly complicated because i think also with budget constraints having these things that just kind of look like uh slugs you know like kind of earth slugs are just kind of big you know Mm -hmm. i I do like that and it also does kind of harken back to like the 1950s 80s kind of thing where essentially they're just big leeches you know Mm -hmm. i like that they're not overly complicated and you're able to kill it with a curling iron you know yeah what do you what do you think about the stages of uh grant grant um i'm always it's easy to get me when a skin starts to like look scabby yeah like um, oh yeah like that that always gets to me so it's like how it just like kind of started as these like lesions you know and it like looks like he's like Oof. all peely you know and yeah big boils and all that kind of stuff it's just yeah it's just peak gross man i just yeah. watch it and i'm just like oh, this is this the, is the half yeah. face with the giant teeth yeah it's just yeah oh, i love that yeah the teeth kill me and then like the drool that's always <laughs> yes. coming out and as you said the tears in the eyes yeah so this, good. Would, this would be a horrible movie to watch at the alamo draft house and you're trying to eat like your food trying to eat a hot dog and you're just like james gunn come on man like you definitely eat before you go do, see do this, you have you know? that issue when you're watching gross stuff like can you not eat when you watch gross stuff i can i can still eat oh i can oh i can eat through anything yeah. i can but i'm not watching this and being like oh man i am starved you know like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like, uh, like i gotta get out of here it's not gonna be anything like that but it's it's definitely doesn't uh you know make me have an appetite i'll say that yeah Okay. I mean, the Alamo Draft House accompaniment for this would definitely be like some kind of hot dog in the shape of a slug. And it would like, you could wiggle it on a stick or something as you ate it. For sure. No, this I would say. So, OK, we were this is the month of 420. This mm-hmm. is the you know, the the the, the word uh, kind of pun play is there. Is this I think we should rank the, the alien movies based on the high preferences. Is this a better high movie than life? Like or is mm. it because yes. I would argue I think it is a better high. You're going to laugh with this movie. Yeah, it's way no. better. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, this one would make sense to get more stoned on because if you get too stoned watching life like there's a lot of sciencey jargon you know oh you're gonna lose stuff yeah you also get really paranoid right 
Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I would say that this is much uh, a much better high pairing there. I will say, though, I'm a big nature documentary guy if I do decide to to get stoned. Like I like the ocean or something like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Kind of cal- it's kind of calming, but it's also kind of spooky. So if yeah, if you wanted to go the more sciencey kind of angle, I guess life would be it. But no, I think traditionally speaking, this is probably the better uh, stoned watch. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's just really funny. Like the, this yeah. movie it's actually so is, funny. is really funny. I love um mayor jack in the back of the car when he's like he has his freak out for a minute fucking mr pitt yes <laughs> people are driving my friends around like skin cars spitting acid on me trying to turn me into cottage cheese and now there's no mr pib <laughs> it's like i feel I will you, say the i will say the offensive reference to margaret as a lesbian totally went over my head in 2006 so the line she packs a box lunch i was just like oh fuck, that is so offensive and hilarious that that actually is pretty funny like i never i never noticed that either oh my god packs a box lunch <laughs> because my, my ex would call would call her uh she would call it her box and i'd always i'd always uh, mm-hmm. give her shit for it that's so funny yeah it's definitely an example of how james gun and his humor has evolved like he still kind of has that sophomoric mm-hmm. sense of humor watch something like peacemaker it's not super highbrow comedy no. um, mm-hmm. but i think he has definitely cooled it on you know like y- you can look up some of his early tweets yeah. that he kind of got quote-unquote in trouble for yeah and yeah i just think right. his sense of humor as we have as a society has just evolved since then yeah so, i yeah. mean it, that's what you do you know you grow older you learn things of we, we learn, hopefully yeah you know, things evolve <laughs> And I disagree. It, I learn nothing as I get older. <laughs> and yeah. when you're not forgetting things as you get older. Exactly. Yeah. Peacemaker actually does have very similar uh, sense of humor it does. To, to this one. Yeah, totally. um, it, it definitely. I remember watching Peacemaker and it feeling like it was like, oh, this is kind of a little bit um, flashes of old school gun a little bit. No, I mean, as much as I have loved, especially the Suicide Squad, I'm still actually making my way through Peacemaker right now. Um, mm-hmm. And it is it's I'm, I don't know if I'm as high on it as everybody else is. I'm still kind of like waiting to see like you know what all the fuss is about but i loved the suicide squad and as much as i like his you know unabashed comic book sensibilities i am mm-hmm. kind of yearning for him to come back to the horror genre a little bit because i think that's oh, for sure where he really fits and really thrives i oh, would love I would to love see that. him like come back and now that he's got much more influence much more budget he's a producer on a lot of, of his films now i want a big genre give me movie from give me james, james gunn's uh malignant type movie oh my man. like you know like yeah. he, he would to, kill it right to, to show off everything that he's learned over the totally. over the years and like you know using the budget like oh yeah we i would love to see that happen yeah um, well i think also like at the end of the day when i revisit this movie i love it i think it's hilarious i think it's super gross but i also find it kind of conservative right like it's all about love and marriage and a happy ending between a heterosexual couple and their adopted teenage daughter by the end of this movie and all the guns all the gun stuff all the guns throughout the throughout the movie too which yeah Yeah. i I did find interesting because i was like is this pro-conservatives or is it It not because it's like you know yeah the town is known for being a hunting town um Mm -hmm. and like what kind of drives it and everything and what motivates the mayor yeah and then but then there is and there is a point too where um the one of the infected ladies calls the cop he's like he's like i'm gonna kill you damn republicans and i was like okay so now the alien is 
against the Republicans. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I was mm-hmm. kind of confused on that. Yeah, but this also is is kind of a takedown of the married for you know practical reasons, which I think is more sure. like an older yeah. generational kind of thing. It's like no, once you get married, it doesn't matter if it's necessarily for true love, so to speak. I'm making generalities mm-hmm. here. It's about for security and yeah, yeah. financial stability. Yeah, yeah, totally making like these sweeping generalizations here. But I would say, generally <laughs> speaking, our kind of the way a society is, we've you know moved on. It's marriages, you know, uh, divorce is much more prevalent, and and people are kind of you know more marrying for love. Um, so I think that is kind of an older generation. So yeah, I could see an argument for maybe this movie has its cake and eats it too in regards to the politics of it all. But I mm-hmm. again, I do think that there's enough of a takedown to where if anything, it's even. You, you know, there's there's you know kind of this uh, poking of fun at both sides a little bit here. I mean, by the end of the movie, the entire town is dead and decimated. So I yeah. mean, I guess well, if we're and I I will say you 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 asked me off the top, you know, like what's one of the reasons why you picked this film or why you wanted to talk about this and i we haven't talked about it this movie is fucking mean like Mm -hmm. i love that the movie doesn't end with an invasion of the body snatchers kind of redux where everybody is just magically okay it's like no these people are fucking dead because they got slugs in the brain so three people survived this movie I love that. This movie mm-hmm. kills kids. I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I love, um, I always love a bleak ending. Yeah, me, we, we've we uh, bonded over our love of we have, uh, children, yes. <laughs> children dying in movies. Like, don't be afraid to do it. Like, they, equal opportunity. They get it, too. Up those fucking stakes. And yeah. another, another Easter egg, um, Kylie's little sisters, they were reading Goosebumps uh, books mm-hmm. before bed, and one of them was Welcome to Camp Jelly Jam, which is where the people of this uh, summer camp are like uh, uh essentially like taken over by aliens yeah right yeah so uh, maybe that's another reason why you know it's not necessarily like a crowd pleaser so maybe that reflected no. the box office so to speak so mm-hmm. yeah it's something that yeah you know hindsight is 2020 reading the tea leaves it's like you know what makes sense that yeah. this wasn't a oh, yeah. smash hit at the box office <laughs> i mean there's so many other directors that they would have just like held on kylie's face when she opened the door and yeah. like oh, not sure. shown it you know but no he's like nope look at these children writhing on the ground totally. They're getting yeah. absolutely yeah they so, are dead yeah it's it's very very mean-spirited and whether that's a, a detractor or an attractor for you again results may vary a little bit but yeah like i said with life last week i do like that kind of mm-hmm. cynical kind of ending Absolutely. there to where it's not yeah it's not sunshine and rainbows there it's like no you guys are fucked <laughs> yeah and then i mean obviously and it's like then there's the the little post-credit stinger that they you know were teasing a sequel that they never got which because mm-hmm. of course this movie bombed unfortunately yeah but um but which it could have been darker did you see that the original ending was that Nathan Fillion was going to be converted because you know he well, got yeah, he half got... of the alien shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean because that the the infected deer bit him. So I I had thought that um still that he was um possibly infected still. You know James yeah. Gunn's a comic book guy. I would actually be interested if like maybe Image or something like that, kind of, or Dark Horse or something wanted to adapt this into a comic book. Mm, I'd be interested right. in that. I I don't think that James Gunn would be terribly opposed to that because he is a comic book guy through and through so yeah Mm -hmm. this is something that i would be very interested to see continue and you know how does this you know because yeah there is a pretty open ending you know open-ended here so i would like to see kind of where these characters go where this whole situation goes and yeah maybe james gonna be uh interested in that 
yeah i mean i i don't need i don't need a sequel now um i think it would have been nice maybe um after yeah, like the day closer closer to the release i think yeah. there could have been some interesting stuff like especially if like the government like you know um discovers the slugs or something because there was mm-hmm. you know at one point mayor jack is like this is a biological weapon from the government and uh, oh my god you know so it's like they could have even explored and taken down some more conservative things with um you know using uh slither as a vehicle but but now yeah don't Mm -hmm. need it but yeah i mean uh, if you were gonna make it these days if you and you could take a political angle i think that it's this movie is wide open for something like that especially nowadays uh and if there is kind of this conservative conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. kind of angle to it and becoming these mindless zombies that you know are focused on the sanctity of marriage it's like oh yeah i don't see at all how this could be relevant today <laughs> yeah well and considering james gunn's interest in like super heroics because really most of his other properties have something to do with that you just then bleed the two of them together right so it's an alien invasion sponsored by the government conservative forces and then you need uh, a superhero influence so you either get peacemaker or the shitty little child from brightburn to come in and yeah figure things out well mm-hmm. it seems like we kind of got that with the suicide squad i mean starro well, as a creature is like that's it's pretty much the same thing well, you know <laughs> so we, we got that in the suicide squad i know neither of you guys have finished peacemaker but so without spoiling it what i'll say is is it makes a it makes a, a interesting um dichotomy with like what he was exploring with slither as far as interesting the aliens motivations and it's like very much taking the same story did with slither but like Mm -hmm. coming at from a different angle yeah and um uh, possibly a more mature angle yeah maybe he cut his losses and was just like i'll address this and the other things that i'm making that people are interested in (laughs) i mean i honestly think so and i will say it's like kind of a detriment to peacemaker that i was like okay you're kind of doing the same thing a lot james like what is is he from another planet like that's all i'm hmm. asking interesting um, yes. but uh to, to wrap things up with our um we'll give our final thoughts and then um out of how many out of uh five slugs uh joe what would you give slither out of five slugs in your final thoughts am i allowed to give half slugs yes half okay slugs, this is always. a four and a half out of five slugs for me i think that this movie is just so much fucking fun it's really well executed i think all the jokes land the performers know exactly what kind of movie they're in and it's nasty and mean and gross like it's just such a good time yeah i think this movie for me is at a three and a half out of five slugs you know i think it's it's um deeper ideas and deeper themes are vague enough to where it leaves a lot of interpretation and i would have liked the movie to kind of firmly stand and you know in a place and kind of make a statement here and i do think it's it's a b alien horror movie that has a lot of influences so i think Mm -hmm. through and through it's uh, like inherently not going to be as original Uh, but Mm -hmm. i think because of the special effects because of the humor and the characters i think it makes it uh really endearing and fun and like the grossest way possible um i would go i'm back i'm back and forth between three and a half out of four um because it i definitely enjoyed this a lot more than i remembered enjoying it um the special effects are just so fantastic um it just um i think if anything i kind of wanted a little more visual style but again this was gun's first film 
Um, so right. I could have I w- I could have taken a little bit more of that, and like the score is really good, but it's not used very often either. So I, I would have taken a little more style um, yeah. from from uh, this movie if I could. But as far as um, you know, the um, hitting the tropes of alien invasion movies and small town dramas, I'm very much into that. The cast is yeah, pretty fantastic across the board. Um, there's a there's a spot in there for like ten or fifteen minutes. I kind of get a little bored, but um, right. so I'll go three and a half. I'll go three and a half out of five. We slugs. are we are the same amount of slugs here. Yeah, so <laughs> let's go ahead and get to our closing segment of the show. So here at the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club podcast, we like to do a fun little game here called Movie Math. It's pretty simple. You just think of this movie and think to yourself, what are a couple of movies that you can add together to equal this one? So, Joe, you are the guest of the, uh, you know, the guest of honor, so to speak. So what are a couple of movies that you can add together to equal Slither? All right. So I kept my mathematical equation relatively simple and I kept it very obvious. So Mm -hmm. I ended up going with Night of the Creeps plus Shivers times Trauma. Oh, there we go. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, I have a pretty similar uh, the thought process here with Night of the Creeps that you do have these slug like alien creatures that are attacking this small town. Uh, I took that and then Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is also mm-hmm. about these people who are kind of just these husks and like these avatars kind of still have their own personality, but kind of not too. So I think you add those movies together and equal this one. And I don't think we would be telling James Gunn anything new. It seems like it's pretty intentional. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. the, the thing with this one was interesting because I feel like sometimes we, um, have hit points where it was like kind of hard to think of comparisons this one has so many options to choose from it's, so yeah it's, almost too many right yeah, yeah it was so it was pretty easy and uh slick use of the multiplication joke because that's usually how i use it as like kind of a yeah. an aesthetic multiplier if mm-hmm. you will yeah um and then so for mine i went with uh shivers and um which we have talked on the podcast the only cronenberg movie we've talked on the podcast so far Ooh. um so we Deep definitely cut. well done yeah we uh we paired that one with Oh, what did we pair? Oh, we paired that with a uh, possessor. Very fun. Um, oh, but okay. but, but shivers son, double bill. Yeah, yeah. We we had to do that. Um, shivers is really fun. I really dig that movie. I love uh, contained space thrillers. Like um, you know yeah. this this very weird eccentric high rise. Like I loved it, and like it turns people into sex monsters. They either <laughs> want to kill or as well. yeah, super rapey. <laughs> they either want to kill or they want to fuck. That's it. And, yeah. um, and I appreciate that. And um, species too. Also very yes. rapey movie. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, we're going to cover the species trilogy at some point, Garrett. Um, oh, my God. So uh, there's four of them, but only oh, the first two are worth your fourth, time. I didn't know there was a fourth one. I've seen the first three. So terrible. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the three. One and two are both pretty good. Um, yes. And then three is three is not terrible. No. I don't yes. think it's terrible, but it's so bad. <laughs> but now I need to find species four. yeah, we're going to cover them and yeah. we're going to see what went wrong with uh, species three and four. But, you know, as, as far as upcoming themes and, and, and month themes that we can brainstorm, I'm going to have to veto rapey horror movies. <laughs> let's look. Let's go ahead and we'll just sideline oh. that one and it'll just be kind of like it creeps up every now and then. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely or, not. An or entire. what you do is you you <laughs> sideline it and then you just do like a rape revenge month. 
Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That'd mm-hmm. be up, pretty upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a real downer. <laughs> we, we could definitely do Rape Revenge. And I'll say what the Species series is like. The first one is more sci-fi erotic thriller. It's yes. not as rapey, but it does have a lot of no. sexual like sexual scenes in it. And it is very sexual mm-hmm. versus the mm-hmm. second one is a little closer to this where it's like the, the male version of the alien is like using women as their mm-hmm. wounds to birth yeah. his children so. well speaking of upcoming but visual comparisons to what happens to brenda there are definitely women who get immediately pregnant and then pop mm-hmm. in that movie yeah and like the the like kind of tendrils and stuff too yeah um, all that stuff yeah speaking of next week's episode uh and an upcoming episode <laughs> that's my mm-hmm. official choice of the week i'm very excited to talk about this one a movie that i don't think you or i have uh seen ourselves no I've been I've been waiting to watch this one for a hot minute. Yeah, we're going to be talking about 1988's The Blob, which is a remake of the yes. classic 1950s uh, uh, B horror movie. There, I have seen the original, so very uh, hotly anticipating uh, this remake here. Excited to see where it ranks among the the classic horror remakes. Yeah, I'm intrigued to do that one um, after this because since that is um, straight from the 80s and yeah. that very much style that slither was trying to you know do so i'm intrigued to see um you know where the blob might have influenced slither as well and chuck russell also directed the mask and we both love that movie absolutely maybe that's one that we could uh, bring up here because that's uh, another maybe like a almost kind of a horror movie that could be your choice could have been Mm -hmm. anyway could be but um (laughs) we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks yes but uh yeah definitely excited to hop into the blob Joe, thank you so much for coming on and talking Slither with us. What are you working on right now? Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BeStoleMyRemote. And of course, as you mentioned off the top, I am one half of the Horror Queers and we release new episodes every Wednesday. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I listen every week. I'm going to listen to uh, your guys' episode on The Brood because I had skipped that uh, one, but I finally uh, saw The Brood recently and uh out of james gunn's mouth shivers and the brood were his two main influences for yeah, this and from go. what i recall you didn't love the brood which i did not i'm a big fan of so I'm, I'm a huge fan that's why i'm excited <laughs> to listen to your guys's episode because i was not a fan i was very bored yeah so no, uh, okay yeah. i can see it i can see it yeah we've talked about that <laughs> i think when we, we talked about Candyman, I, I love listening to people who are like i love this movie and you're coming from a place mm-hmm. of like i like it but i i want to yeah. know why you love it so exactly I'm sure yeah you're like convince me convince me me, yeah please. absolutely exactly and you can always listen to the horror queers episode on the neon demon for a familiar voice in there yeah you know mm-hmm. the, the neon demons uh, number one stan on twitter um <laughs> I but, will say uh, there were a couple of people who reached out and said, I believe Devon's theory about the cats. So there you yes. go. You're not alone. <laughs> yes. We had so much fun with all the, the tin hat theories on uh, that episode. That was a good time. Garrett, what are you working on right now? You guys can follow me on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd at Garrett McDowell. Um, got a couple of new uh, reviews uh, dropping on YouTube, which is also Garrett McDowell. Uh, this week, going to be talking about um, Ambulance, Michael Bay's new movie, as well as a Sonic 2, which I just saw last night. Uh and if you want some more podcast goodness, uh, some genre podcast goodness, you can uh, subscribe to the Scum and Villainy podcast, which is a uh, weekly Star Wars podcast that I do with my buddy from back home. So lots of stuff coming. And I might also be starting some uh, TikTok stuff soon. Mm. So that's also Ooh. Garrett McDowell. So we'll see. We'll see. 
venturing into the talk universe. I know. I, I, I haven't done it yet. I, I, I need to do one at least for the podcast. Yeah, I'm but. a Gen Z kid, so, you know, I got to make one at least once. I think that's the contract I signed in being a Gen Zer. Hey, <laughs> embrace it. It's not that I don't like TikTok. I'm just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it seems like so much work, but God Doesn't bless it? all the people who do dances. So much work for oh, 60 seconds. We'll, we'll not be doing any dances at all. I can promise you that. Uh, <laughs> no, Garrett's uh, TikTok dances will be on the Patreon. Oh. Oh, whatever that's, that that's is. right that's right yeah um but you can find me on twitter and instagram at underscore daddy disco um you can hear me on the pod and the pendulum podcast we just uh wrapped up covering the chucky series so i was on for curse and cult um and some more uh queer slashers you know i love my boy chucky i think it's next week um me and garrett will be going head to head in the incinerator podcast talking vampire movies so that will be up sometime next week as well very excited to talk about that i'm excited uh we need to finish our list and send those over to billy (laughs) and i need to start catching up on some vampire movies (laughs) yes yes so i'm very excited for all that but that will go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the blay blunt cinema club new episode Episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. You can find us on social media at Bloody Blunts Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.